Welcome to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, with your host, Director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. I'm your host, Zanetta Adams, Director of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, and we are still in Suicide Prevention Month. And so, you know, our aim and goal is to help raise awareness of some of the resources out there, as well as some of the issues that are out there um, affecting our veterans and families. Uh, Joining us today for our show will be the founder and executive director of Hold My Guns. Also um, joining us will be uh, the uh, Ian Perry, who is part of the Governor's Challenge, as well as the gun violence coalition called the Campaign for Safe for Michigan. And Dennis Schur, a corrections program coordinator for the Veterans Unit of the Michigan Department of Corrections. This is an interesting show. If you are a gun owner, you are a a, um, gun shop, or you know of any of those things, this is a great show for you to listen to. So stick around. We'll be right back on the Veterans Perspective. to the Veterans Perspective. I'm your host, Zanetta Adams, Director of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. And, you know, this month, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about this month being a named Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. Um, but today we want to talk specifically about firearm safety. Now, uh, I know it's a touchy subject, you know, you know, no one wants their guns taken away. Listen, I am a, a proud gun owner myself, but we're talking about the safety of those guns. And we're talking about when we talk about suicide prevention and we talk about veterans and suicide prevention, we know that um, you know the the highest uh, number of suicide deaths are by firearm, especially in Michigan. And so um, it's important that we have these conversations. Um, it's it's okay to have your to keep your guns, but we we need to make sure that you're you're taking safety measures. So I wanted to um, first off, I wanted to say that you know joining us as our first guest, and she's gonna uh, maybe give us some some content um, during this segment and then, you know, after the commercial break as well as Sarah Joy Albrecht and she's with Hold My Guns. And so um, she's going to be joining me during this segment. But, you know, before we get into having some conversations with her, I want to, I want to tell you two things. One, you know, uh, talking about suicide, um, it's an intense topic for some people. And so if you need to take a break, if you need to step out, um, please do so. And just remember you're never alone and that there is help available. So if you're struggling, you know, I would say, you know, turn off the radio, you know, um, and you can call the crisis veteran crisis line at 988-PRESS-1. But, you know, you can always give us a call at 1-800-MISHVET. That's 1-800-642-4838 if you need to get connected to some resources or there's something that triggers your memory as something that you need to be connected to as well. But just know that um, we're going to be talking about some heavy topics. Um, throughout the month and today as well. And um, we just hope that you, even if you're a survivor of a veteran who um, has uh, completed suicide, that you would reach out and get the assistance that you need. So just to give you some of the statistics in 2020, the most recent year for which, you know, complete data is available, according to the CDC, 45,000 plus people died from gun-related injuries in the U.S. Um, and though they tend to get less public attention than gun-related murder, suicides have long accounted for the majority of U.S. gun deaths. 
Um, and, uh, you know, in, in Michigan, over 67% of veteran suicides are by firearms. And that's according to the, the VA. And nearly eight in 10 U.S. murders in 2020 involved a firearm, and that marked the highest percentage since at least 1968. Uh, a little over half, 53% of all suicides in 2020, though, that's a little bit over 24,000 um, out of 45,000 involved a gun, a percentage that has generally remained stable in the recent years. Um, we bring this up because, um, you know, we know that we love our guns here in Michigan. <laughs> We love um, hunting. We love to be able to do all those other things, but um, but we need to be safe. We need to be safe for our children. We need to be safe for our families. You know, I was just at a, a, a governor's challenge. And I'm not sure, Sarah, if Sarah Joy, if you attended any of those uh, governor's challenge. Um, I know you've talked on some of the governor's challenge virtual, but I can't recall if you were at the in-person um, conference. But uh, we. Uh, I was sitting in a, one of the conference breakouts where they talked about the number of children that were actually attempted or completed suicide in military or veteran families mm. by firearm. And I found that to be, it was something I had never thought about, but, you know, even if it's not for yourself, firearm safety is important for your family. And so, I mean, were you at that conference and what are your thoughts on that? Thank you, Director Adams. I was not able to attend in person, but I've been helping out with the Governor's Challenge for about a year now. And I have five children of my own. I'm a range safety officer, and we're very um, involved with the firearms community. And firearm safety is something that is important for every household, whether or not they actually have a firearm. And teaching children that you know you might be in an environment where you're at your friend's house and kids are playing with a firearm and you need to be, um, you need to immediately go get an adult and tell them what's going on. So um, whether or not there are firearms in a household, parents have a responsibility to talk to their kids about firearm safety. And it is um, a, a life-saving conversation to have with children. And you're right, it is very sad that, um, that suicide is one of those leading um, factor, one of those leading uh, causes of death for young children. And it, and it is heartbreaking, but there are things we can do to prevent that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I was talking to someone recently and I, uh, I know we're going to be going to commercial break in a moment, but I was talking to somebody recently about, you know, I, when I went to get my concealed carry permit, you know, I had to go through this eight hour course and a majority of the course was actually talking about how to protect yourself without a firearm. And, you know, I hear all the time people say, well, you know, how, you know, if I have to lock it up and put all these things on it and separate the ammo and everything, how am I going to protect my family in an emergency? And I, I get that. Um, but uh, I think, you know, we need to be thinking also about how we can protect ourselves and our families in the event there's not a firearm available. And so mm -hmm. if we start thinking in that way, I think we can we can feel a little bit more comfortable and safer to be able to lock our, our guns up. And so I would love to, you know, listen, if we could do a nationwide campaign of, you know, giving people tools for, for self-defense or to protect themselves um, in the event that your firearm's not available at jams or whatever, you know, then um, I think maybe we can start to shift this conversation as well. But um, I'm looking forward to our conversation about what we can do in our communities as community members, but also in our household on, on protecting our families and gun safety. So um, looking forward to, 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 to having that dialogue. Um, 
And so uh, we'll be joining Sarah, um, Joy Albrecht after the break from Hold My Guns to talk more about suicide prevention um, through firearm safety and what you can do in your communities after the commercial break. So stick around. We'll be right back on The Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. We're talking about firearm safety today as it relates to suicide prevention. And, um, you know, I didn't give her a proper introduction in the last segment, but joining me um, as our first official guest is Sarah Joy Albrecht. She's the founder and executive director of Hold My Guns, a 501c3 firearms community nonprofit that partners with gun shops to provide voluntary firearms during uh, times of personal need. So uh, including for the prevention of suicide. Prior to founding Hold My Guns, she was a doula and childbirth educator for 11 years, specializing in trauma-informed care. Sarah is a QPR suicide prevention instructor and a firearms range safety officer. She and her husband live in Pennsylvania along with their five grown children. Welcome, 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 Sarah. Thank you, Director Adams. It's great to be here today. Thank you. And so, um, you know, as we talked about in the, the the first segment, um, you know, firearms topics around firearms are sticky and they're 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 messy, especially in our climate today. But I'd love to know what you're doing with your organization, Hold My Guns, to to one help uh, families um, to to be more safe with firearms, and also um, how we can how we can uh, help people understand that this is this is the um, this is a health issue not a political one. So can you talk a little bit about that? I sure can. And, and there's a lot to unpack, to, uh, unpack there. So Hold My Guns, we partner with gun shops and we provide voluntary firearm storage during times of personal need and during times of mental health crises. And a lot of times people think, well, if there's someone in crisis in my home, like that's that would be um, like they think about it as a crisis, but also, as you mentioned earlier, thinking about children in the home, it might not be the gun owner themselves who's in crises. And so they might use words like there's a lot of stress in the home or, you know, my kids are really going through a hard time right now. It's like, OK, well, let's kind of think about how can we help to make your home safe while someone else in the household is going through a difficult time. And by providing this option, we are helping people to make responsible choices in a voluntary way. And that's that's really important. You know, we're a for gun owners by gun owners organization. We care about not only saving lives and protecting property, but also preserving rights. And that's something a lot of gun owners, they care about. They, Like you said at the beginning of, of your show, um, you know, people are concerned, are you going to take my guns? And, you know, there is a concern there for that because oftentimes it's presented that way and it's presented in a very political way. But the reality is that 
most, well, a good majority of American households do have firearms. And so spreading a message of responsibility and saying, if we can do this in a voluntary way, then it actually shows that you are being responsible, that you care about the people in your wake, that you wanna prevent unauthorized access that can result in you know, the death of children or teenagers because they're, they're getting into that firearm. So we really encourage safe practices, um, but within the scope of promoting um, freedom and making sure that people um, are trained with their firearms. And, you know, there are so many, we talked about firearms related deaths. Um, it's also important to think about the context of how many defensive gun uses there are each year. And so, you know, we think about, um, we want for people to have the ability to protect themselves with a firearm, but also to be responsible with it. And I think that when we get involved with that political conversation, it's a distraction and people get so charged about that, that they forget, all right, well, personal responsibility is, is important. And I'm just going to, I'm going to turn off my TV and turn off all the political stuff. And I'm going to think about what can I do in my own home to make sure that we're safe and start there. And one of the things that we do with Hold My Guns is we promote having a personal safety plan, including a plan for storing firearms if it is ever needed, because not everyone has friends or family members who can help store firearms. And so that's, that is a, a joy for us in the firearms community to provide that storage option through our FFL partners. That's, that's great information. And I think it's, it's important for people to understand too. I mean, to really grasp what you're saying, this is not about taking your guns. There's, you know, so when you talk about this voluntary storage, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's the key word, right? Voluntary. Um, yes. You know, how does that work? How can somebody, maybe it's a spouse who sees that their um, their veteran is struggling or um, they're, um, maybe they're going through, they've just started, you know, mental health care, just diagnosed with PTSD. How can they, uh, how can they store their gun with someone and ensure that they will be able to get it back? Mm -hmm. So, Storing through Hold My Guns, if you're storing a, uh, a complete firearm, so you have all the parts there, right? You do need to do a firearms transfer. And that, so basically what happens is you will take, you'll make an appointment with one of the Hold My Guns storage partners. You would bring it in and you would fill out a contract. It, you know, it's a professional service and they will store your firearms in a way that is secure. And you can have peace of mind knowing that whether you are wanting to store firearms because there's uh, you're receiving treatment for PTSD or you're being deployed or PCSing or whatever it might be, whether maybe you're just going on vacation, that um, they're not going to ask you why, but they trust that for whatever reason that gun owner is making that responsible choice to store firearms outside of the home, that it is one that will help to prevent suicide, unauthorized access to firearms, um, firearms being stolen. So um, you would take the firearm to that storage partner. And then when you want to pick up that firearm, you would make an appointment um, and you would you have, all of our storage partners have to follow all federal, state, and local laws. So um, if there is a waiting period involved, if there's anything like that, it's the same thing as um, it's not reinventing the wheel. It's using that same process as a transfer. And so they would follow those, um, those state and local laws, and they would be able to pick up their firearms after they fill out a 4473 form that attests that they are not 
uh, a prohibited person and a background check needs to be completed um, before picking up the firearm. And that's a normal standard practice for the transfer of firearms. That being said, there are um, there is an option to store a non-serialized part like a barrel or a firing pin. So if a person wants to retain that firearm, but it would be inoperable, um, then they, they can always take in a part. And also if there's not a firearm storage location near you through Hold My Guns, that is a really um, excellent option to have a friend store one of those parts because a uh, transfer is not required to store one of those parts. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, I had um, a friend uh, and her spouse came back from, you know, deployment and he was struggling. And um, there was one late night she came over with all the weapons. I mean, she was smart enough to do that and said, hey, can you can you hold on to these? He's struggling. And so we did for a few days. And you know, they were able to get them back and he was able to get into treatment and doing doing well now. But, you know, that was that was a, a good agreement and we stored them safely as well. And so that is another option um, with Hold My Guns. It's the same concept, though. And so um, I would just say, you know, how can do, do we have any of those uh, type of places here in Michigan right now that, you know, of? not yet. We're working on it, though. And it's it's really wonderful to see the firearms community coming together and. Um, we ha we just brought on a new FFL coordinator, and her name is Lisa. She's actually our firearm storage partner out in Washington State, and it's just uh, a wonderful thing to see her enthusiasm. And we're bringing on new gun shops all the time. So if there is a, a gun shop in Michigan that would like to join our program, please get in touch with us. You can find our website at holdmyguns.org and. Um, fill out the intake form in there to become a storage partner. Our efforts are widely supported in the firearms community, and it is not just about storage. We really promote the idea of um, increasing protective factors. The firearms community is a protective factor. We shoot together and train together, and we're involved with a lot of um, good community activities together. And so by working within the firearms community, we can promote things like um, storage, yes, but also it, getting out of isolation and hanging out with people and, and with um, QPR training, for example, we're training members of the firearms community, including range safety officers and instructors to be able to spot those warning signs and to be able to um, say, hey, is everything okay? Are you thinking of taking your own life? Can we go together to get resources? And as we, as we grow um, this uh, awareness in the firearms community and we promote um, connection, it increases protective factors. And we're excited to do that. Well, Sarah, you know, it has been a pleasure having you. It, obviously not enough time. We thank you so much for joining us today um, on, the, on uh, the Veterans Perspective. And we'll be right back after the commercial break with the next guest.
Welcome back to The Veteran's Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. Now, your host, Director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to The Veteran's Perspective. Joining me as our next guest is Ian Perry. As a reminder, um, we're talking about some potentially tough topics today. So if you're struggling, you know, just go ahead and step away. I would say also give um, the Veterans Crisis Line a call at 988-PRESS-1. Um, if you need additional resources or need to connect with some of the resources we talk about today, give us a call at 1-800-MISHVET. That's 1-800-642-4838. So on to our next guest. Ian Perry served nearly 14 years in the Marine Corps. And as a civilian, he works as a construction manager and volunteers with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. He's passionate about helping other veterans in crisis and is working to establish and maintain relationships with various veteran groups, local units, first responders, and military organizations throughout Michigan. He's been participating in volunteering with AFSP since discovering the Metro Detroit Out of the Darkness Walk in 2007. He served on the Michigan Board of Directors until his wife was hired as a Michigan Area Director. He also served on the Metro Detroit Out of the Darkness Wall Committee for four years and currently chairs the Silver Committee, working with veterans first responders in the Project 2025 Committee. He is the Project 2025 champion for the Michigan chapter and is part of the Governor's Challenge as well as several local suicide prevention coalitions and a gun violence coalition called the Campaign for a Safer Michigan. And I'd like to say he uh, was a co uh, sponsor uh, uh, guest on one of the uh, suicide prevention videos that we're going to be releasing this month. So welcome to the show, Ian. Thank you, Director Adams. I appreciate you having me on today. Thank you. So, you know, we're talking about uh, firearm safety. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, the Gun Violence Coalition and Campaign for Safer Michigan? Absolutely. Um, so I'm part of a couple of coalitions that uh, specifically deal with gun violence and um, gun safety. Um, from my experience in the Marine Corps and in my previous experience uh, hunting and, and being part of the firearms community as a youth, um, I found it extremely important that um, folks that are exposed to a firearm have proper training, have an understanding of the weapon that or weapons that are being uh, uh, stored in the home and uh, have a thorough uh, background in um, how to handle that weapon, how to safely store that weapon and how to just be a responsible uh, gun owner or, or person who's exposed um, to that to that firearm. Um, I think today um, we see a lot of stories um, that you know, folks are, are, are kids or people are exposed and aren't comfortable or have uh, negligent discharges or accidental discharges um, that either affect themselves or affect others. And it's obviously uh, the main um, a weapon that's used in uh, suicides, um, with, uh, especially with veterans. It's, uh, it's, it's extremely lethal and it's extremely important that uh, folks understand gun locks, um, safe storage, and, uh, and also understand their mental health and when it's appropriate to uh, have others safely store their weapons. Yeah, you raise a great point, you know, gun locks and safe storage, all of that creates time and space. And we know that time and space is critical, even seconds can 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 be enough time to um, to help someone to uh, maybe change course on making that ultimate decision life ending. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. so how are you providing these I guess these trainings um, on how people can be safe maybe without the use of their firearm or things throughout Michigan? How's that how's that happening? So through the MVA and, and the governor's challenge we've uh, done a, a lot of community outreach 
um, to the um, ranges and uh, uh, folks that sell firearms so that we can reach their customers and get their folks trained uh, regarding um, our availability to provide um, free gun locks and um, provide their staff and as well as individuals um, uh, uh, training to understand how to safely store a weapon. Um, there are uh, multiple projects out there. I know Project Child Safe is one uh, in particular that is um, uh, at, 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 through AFSP and through the Project 2025 work I'm doing on firearms. Uh, they're a group that we uh, that we are, are pushing people to websites that we're pushing people to to uh, get a better understanding of the resources that are out there and really just give them a, a, a broad overview of what safe, safe storage looks like, um, how a gun lot works, how to get a gun lock. Um, you know, luckily here in the state of Michigan, we can provide those locks for free, which is really important. Um, but, you know, also just having an understanding of how a weapon works and what really renders it to be um, safely stored, um, especially if somebody's in crisis. Um, you know, just the, the, the fact that you, you can take a, remove a non-serialized part and that weapon will not fire at that point and is, is, can be um, uh, stored um, while that person's in crisis and, and get them through that. Like you said, giving that time and space to uh, get them the professional services and get them the help that they need, super important. Um, and for, you know, folks that aren't comfortable with weapons, or handling weapons when somebody's in crisis, it's important for them to understand what resources are out there, who can do, um, who can come and actually help them get that weapon safely stored. It's important to have a plan. Um, and especially with veterans, I think veterans really need um, that family support or that friend or the fellow veteran that, you know, they can, they trust and they can reach out to, to say, hey, I'm having a hard time. Can you come over and um, you know, store my gun or store my guns or take my ammo or whatever the case may be to make sure that that person can get through that moment of crisis, obviously, and get them to um, resources and help and get them through that and then obviously get them uh, their weapons back when they're feeling better and, and they're not looking to harm themselves. So the question I hear a lot and, and maybe, you know, as a gun owner, maybe, you know, I have that question, you know, if I remove a firing pin or I put a gun lock on my on my um, weapon, maybe because I'm struggling with mental health. But what if somebody breaks into my house? Like, how, how am I going to protect my family? Well, you know, that's a great question. Um, obviously, uh, there are going to be folks that that believe that that's um, a possibility and it is a possibility in, in, in many communities, obviously. Um, for, for, for me, um, you know, the question really is how, what's, what, what's, what's going to put you more at risk? Um, if you're in crisis, are you going to put yourself at more at risk or is the threat of somebody actually breaking in and, and, and causing you um, the uh, issue to uh, need to use a firearm uh, in self-defense? I mean, the reality of the situation is if you're in crisis, if you're not in a good head space, um, you need to, you need, you need to have the wherewithal and the, the, um, knowledge of self to understand, hey, you know what, <laughs> the uh, eventuality of somebody breaking in while this gun lock is on here is really low. And quite frankly, um, if somebody's really that concerned about it, then you can practice and mm -hmm. you can practice removing that gun lock. You can practice, you know, breaking a weapon down, putting it back together to, to make it something that is, uh, uh, you know, useful in the moment uh, that is needed. At the end of the day, um, you know, we're, we're here to talk about saving lives and to, and to make sure that um, people that are 
thinking about self-harm, don't have that ability to do too. Yeah, and I think the other piece is something that you mentioned earlier is all the other things that you can do to protect yourself that don't involve a firearm. And that's one of the things, you know, I spoke with earlier, earlier guest is that, you know, going through, uh, you know, uh, training to have my uh, concealed carry, you know, they taught us everything about everything that's around you, the things that you think about if you are, if you can't reach a gun, like what can you do to protect yourself? And there's sure. so many things around. And so providing that training and those opportunities is going to, can help alleviate that, but everybody's not gone through that training. So um, being able to go through some of the, you know, safer training that you have and for safer Michigan, I think that's where we can get to that point of safety as well. Yep, yep, absolutely. So are um, you providing any of these things like virtual or? Yes, absolutely. Um, so anybody that wants to reach out uh, through the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention Michigan chapter uh, can do so. That's AFSP.org forward slash Michigan. We have an events uh, button on there uh, as well as uh, uh, you can reach out and uh, the area director will uh, get back to you. Um, so we, we do communicate back and forth with the community. We provide free resources, training, um, uh, I can I can provide uh, you know virtual in person um, and you know during suicide prevention month week actually it's suicide prevention week this week and it's really important to get the word out to everybody. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, and I know our conversation we could talk longer, but you know I thank you for joining us and for all the work that you're doing. And please, um, if you need to visit or find out more about their organization, you can visit the website reference, or you can give us a call at one eight hundred Mishvet. Stick around, we'll be right back on The Veteran's Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. I'm Zanetta Adams, Director of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency and your host. And I'm here with Dennis Schur, who is a Marine Corps veteran and has been working for the Michigan Department of Corrections for over 25 years. He's currently the Corrections Program Coordinator for the Veterans Unit in the Saginaw Correctional Facility. This is the only unit within MDOC that is occupied completely by incarcerated veterans. Welcome to the show, Dennis. Thank you. So, you know, we're talking about uh, suicide prevention um, this month. We've been talking about firearm safety, which I know that that's not an issue for incarcerated veterans. But, you know, we're talking about suicide prevention and some of the things that you've been doing at MDOC. Can you talk a little bit about the the, the veterans unit at the Department of Corrections and, and kind of the, a little bit of the history of that? Um, it, it started around four years ago. Um, there was a lot of there's a lot of veterans incarcerated. Um, we just try to see how it helps out to get groups together. And there was a big um, 
there was a lot of interest in trying to get just a unit together. So um, Saginaw was selected. Um, Scenes has been over almost four years is completely full. We have a, um, a waiting list of almost 80 plus waiting to come here. Um, the criteria is honorable discharge um, from the military or general discharge. And um, it's just become really, really big in here. Um, there's a lot of camaraderie, lots of lots of um, groups going on in here. And it's just a, it's just a, a pretty good place to be. Yeah, that's great. And I know they've done some cool things like training um, service animals and then they were they they make things like uh, craft. Um, I don't want to say crafts, but uh, they make uh, things that can be donated for charity potentially. Right. I mean, I've, I think I've seen some rocking chairs and plaques and all right. kinds of things. Yeah, they work with our prison build program and they actually um, we make flag boxes for fallen heroes, um, present them to family members. Um, when a veteran passes away, we um, donate one of these flag boxes for the family. It's kind of a nice little gesture. Very nice. Well, you know, we're talking about suicide prevention, and we know that if if there's going to be depression or anxiety, especially related to PTSD, it's going to happen in a prison population with veterans who maybe have struggled with some of these things too. And so, how are you? How are you keeping them motivated there? We just try to keep an open communication. My door is always open when I'm in here. Um, a lot of guys, a lot of veterans just come in here and just want to talk. Um, it's nice just to just to talk to somebody. Sometimes that's all they need. Um, if they want, with like literature, we um, I can print off some literature for them. We post it throughout the facility. They also have outpatient mental health they can go talk to. Um, there's just, there's a lot of avenues that they can use. And then um, if one doesn't work, it seems like there's another one that they can utilize. So it's, there's just lots of options. So are there things that, um, are there things that the unit does like to either self-police themselves or to keep themselves out of trouble that's helpful? I mean, is, is this like a, a, a unit that you can be proud of? Is it, do they have problems? Like what's going on there? It's actually, it's a great incentive um, because they have to have certain criteria to, be in the unit and also to stay in the unit, not just, you know, not just to get in the unit. We do, there's a lot of incentive to be here. As you can see, there's a big waiting list to come here. So the guys that are here, um, they use that to their advantage. They know they have to do the right thing to stay here and they can take advantage of a lot of programs that other um, units don't have. Like we have, um, like I say, this is the only place where they can actually file a claim. They have to be at Saginaw. Um, they have to be here. We take part in programs with the universities. We do theater, um, drama, music, um, and it's all with the veterans unit. So there's a big incentive to be here. So are there, I would assume that, you know, throughout the entire prison system, there are suicides occur. I mean, I know that's not something that you want. You try to take all the precautions, but they occur, right? Yes. And, and how is it with this unit? It, what are you seeing there? Like I say, it's very, like, almost non-existent i mean there are some times that they go through hard times and um there's a lot of different people in here that they they kind of get with them there's just a camaraderie if someone's down usually they bring it to my attention or another uh incarcerated veteran and they kind of police themselves so it, it really works well for that um like i say usually someone's there at least there's someone to talk to or it's just it's just a it's like non-existent here it's, it works well I, I visited the unit a few years ago when I first took this position, and I thought it was incredible that they had 
they had uh, drawings on the wall that had like the military symbols and they did all that, right? Yes. Yeah, and so like you said, policing themselves, it's almost like they're a unit within a unit. Have you seen like people emerge as kind of like the commanders or the leaders of those <laughs> of those sections? Absolutely, there's someone that's, you know, they, they take pride in it and uh, it, it catches on. Um, when I first got here, actually, we, I actually hired six painters full time. So they just, they paint murals, they um, paint products that we bring in from prison build, you know, usually it's related to the um, military, but not necessarily any nonprofits. They can, they just really take pride in it and um, it, it goes over well. Well, and so now you have people that are incarcerated and not all of them stay incarcerated. Some of them are become returning citizens. And I know I just to touch on because you're, you sit on our governor's challenge uh, for suicide prevention. And can you just really quickly touch on some of the work that you're doing to help keep that keep that non-existent number for suicide prevention along after they are returning to the civilian world? Yeah, we just try to keep giving them incentives. Um, if they ask questions, I, I try to get them answers for when they um, go back into the community. We do um, veteran-specific workshops um, for the veterans when they before they get out. Um, a veterans organization organization comes in and um, gives them a current resume, kind of talks to them about tricks of the trade. Um, they talk about uh, Michigan Works and just all the all the options and things out there for veterans that they. And, you know, once they get out, they can go there and yeah. take care of it. Well, I know you all are working hard to get them connected to housing, get them connected to jobs, like you mentioned, get them connected to a community when they get out. And all of those things are, are preventive measures for suicide prevention. So I, I applaud you for that. Um, um, what's the one thing you would say, um, I guess, is the best thing that comes out of this unit specific for veterans um, within the prison population? What's, what's one of the best things that, that that you see from this group coalescing together? Probably just the, the attitude in the incarcerated veterans. A lot of them, when they came here, um, seems like they really open up when they, when they find out someone's here to, you know, try to help them instead of just being a staff member. Um, I can relate because I'm a veteran and I think that helps out a lot. They seem like they can talk to somebody about something. Um, it's just the whole aura of the, the unit is just different. And everybody sees that, you know, when we get visitors in here or other um, units see that, that it's just, it's just a, it's a good place to be if you're incarcerated. It's, it's yeah, just probably the best place, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, you know, Dennis, I thank you for all the work that you're doing because, you know, these, you know, these individuals, these veterans have to return to society at some point. And so getting them in a, in a place where they feel pride again and they want to do better is, is absolutely uh, great. And then also with no suicide in four years, that's even impressive. So um, thank you so much for joining us today, Dennis, and all the work you're doing. Thank you for having me. And I also want to thank again our guest, Sarah Joy Albrecht, uh, Ian Perry, and again, Dennis Sher for joining us today. Um, just remember that you can um, find out more about the guests that we had on today by visiting us at um, michigan.gov slash MVAA. You can also give us a call at 1-800-MISHFIT. That's 1-800-642-4838. And remember that if you're struggling, you need somebody to talk to, you're, you're feeling down, don't, don't do it alone. Don't, don't feel that way alone. You can give the crisis line a call at 988-PRESS-1, and they will be able to assist you. I've called myself, and they've been there during a time when I, I needed them the most. So don't feel ashamed about that. 
we look forward to seeing you on the next show um, and, and hearing your feedback. And don't forget to reach out to us if you want to be a part of our show by going to NBAA um, website on michigan.gov and going to the About Us sections. We'll see you next week on the Veterans Perspective.